You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Gino looks, going to lay it up over the top. Got a man out there. It is locking. He has got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop. Going to look. Gets hit. Goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. I am jacked up, fired up, ready to go for this matchup, John Boyle. Can you match that level of excitement? Ooh, you're setting a high bar, Jen. I'll do my best. Well, I mean, look, I don't know if it's because the holidays are right around the corner. Um, I don't know if it's because you did most of my podcast prep for me. I, I don't I did? know. What are you talking Maybe about? Maybe it's the numbers that we dove into that I think kind of go in Seattle's favor. I don't, I don't know, but you do get some credit for this. Wow. Thank you, Jen. I don't yeah. know what I even did, but I'll Well, you outlined many topics at the top of the list that you want to talk about is Swift Kelsey. <laughs> and so I want to see how many Taylor Swift songs you're going to work into this podcast. I was not prepared to. No, I did. Really? Point, I did that point out to Jen your, yesterday that she that could was your for her topic. video. For her what to watch video, she could do something on the Swift Kelsey duo in their running game. And she Jen was not into that idea. At I passed. All. Yeah. I passed. I, it was good. Sorry to all the Swifties who would it have was been it was good. Well, we heard really a whole upset video the in Taylor Swift lyrics. Right. Well, I mean, we're talking about DeAndre Swift. So that yes. was and the other Kelsey, which I'm sure they get confused about all the time. And there's many, <laughs> many jokes. And we're just going to let that one go. We do actually have some really fun numbers to dive into. Um, first, John, there was an extra day for this team. Pete said it this week. It feels like it was more than just an extra day. Yeah, I think just getting even though it is literally one day, I think just getting that extra break of players got couple days off here and just, you know, really helps with some guys banged up, most notably your quarterback, who yep. we're hoping is back but won't know for sure until later in the week. But, yeah, just getting that extra break should really help this team. You know what else it's helping me with, John? I love – you're going to – this is going to be a real surprise to everybody. I love having control over my schedule, my calendar. Yeah. I like a routine. I like planning things out. You know what this NFL schedule has not allowed me to do this year? Plan my normal routine. You yeah. know what I'm taking back that to as? Back Thursday games. And then, you know, they switch it. And look, I love playing in primetime. I am not complaining. You know what I'm actually looking at this as? Never once would I put down on New Year's resolutions. Become more flexible with scheduling. But you know what I have been this year? More flexible. More flexible good with for scheduling. You, yeah. So I, I feel like I'm growing. Oh, good for there's hey, a lot you. Know? Of, there's a lot of growth happening right here. Love to hear it. Okay, let's dive into this matchup because you know what? I don't really want to revisit too many of the numbers that we saw in Santa Clara a week ago. And look, we should give some credit to Drew Locke who came in. That was a very impressive opening drive. We saw a lot of good things. I love the touchdown to Colby Parkinson. We asked Pete Carroll about that one. little throwback to, or callback I should say, to the 49ers matchup last year. Yeah. Really cool what our digital department did to put those two plays together. together, I thought that was awesome. But when you take a look at this Eagles team, how about if we start on the offensive side of things where you expect Jalen Hurts to work some magic? They're, they're a unique team, you know, and it's it's because it, Jalen is such a unique player. Um, they're able to do all kinds of stuff, and he's a threat. He almost rushed for 500 yards already, you know, at this point. Uh, so he's a threat back there. He's a terrific scrambler. He's, he's got 
accuracy completing almost 67 percent of his passes at this point late in the season he's, he's doing uh, he does a lot of stuff and they use him you know they're, they're not it's no mystery they know when when to use him and how to use him and, and it makes it very difficult uh, because you have to account for him in, in all situations yeah I mean this is the kind of offense that Pete Carroll really respects because they can do a lot of different things they have a good running game they have a quarterback who can threaten you and then they have some big weapons in the passing game as well um, you know, really, they've been a really strong offensive team again this year. The, the big hang up recently for them has been the turnovers. And yep. that's where, you know, they can move the ball. But if they're not taking care of it, they've turned the ball over quite a bit more this year than last year, including three turnovers in last week's loss to Dallas, which is where if you're the Seahawks defense, you're hoping there's an opportunity there to make some game-changing plays. Well, and it's a little bit of that risk-reward with Jalen Hurts, right? Because he's got 31 total touchdowns. That is second most in the NFL. But his 15 giveaways, well, that's about fourth, I think, on the mm-hmm. list. He's actually fumbled in seven straight games. Those giveaways, that's 10 interceptions. It's five fumbles. I did talk to guys inside the Seahawks locker room. We've seen this before with playmaking quarterbacks that are dual threat. You know, sometimes you're trying a little bit too hard to make that big play because you know that you are capable of doing it. So I do think that opens up some opportunities for the Seahawks, who you know already have home field advantage in the 12s on their side. Yeah, I mean, it should be riled up, Monday night crowd. Hopefully they make a difference. And yeah, I mean, this defense, look, we'll get more into it. They've been very inconsistent this year. There's been some good things, some bad things, way too many big plays. But there's playmakers out there, and there's guys who can definitely get the ball away, and that could make a huge difference in this game. You mentioned the running game being a good one. It was the best in the league for two straight years. We've already mentioned DeAndre Swift's name. He leads the Eagles in rushing yards. But here's the thing, John. The numbers have been inconsistent since about week four or five. Mm -hmm. They had a couple of really big run games early in the season. That's what's led to that overall average. Would it surprise you to know that since week four, they're averaging just three-point yards a carry? It would not because I'm looking at their game-by-game rushing totals right now. And since they went back-to-back 200-yard games in week two and three, it hasn't been as much. People cannot see the look of disgust <laughs> on my face. It I mean, was a wow, bit, Jen. It was a what? bit, John. Wow, Jen. That we were talking. Sho- that is shocking, Jen. Thank you very much. <laughs> that average per carry is among the lowest in the league. What does that mean for just how you evaluate that offense and what it means for the defense? I mean, to me, it just means if you're the Seahawks defense, you need to take care of business and get back to being a good run defense, which they were early in the season. And they ran to some good teams. They had some struggles. You know, the Eagles are still going to come in trying to run the ball and you need to take care of that and make them as one dimensional as you can. Here's the other thing that I think helps, John. Look, a lot of the narrative the last few weeks have been shaped by going up against two of the toughest teams in the league, San Francisco for sure. I mean, you've seen those guys twice in the last three weeks. There was always a bit of analyzing that needed to take place, I think, every time San Francisco had the ball, right? Mm -hmm. Philadelphia, you know exactly what they're going to do. This is not like an... I'm not going to say it's not a complicated offense. Now, yeah, it is difficult motion. to defend. Absolutely. And as I was talking to a guy like Jaron Reed or even Leonard Williams, right? This is a who can do right longer type of a game. They're mm-hmm. not going to try to trick you. You are going to have to be disciplined and follow exactly what it is that they're doing in the game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is a team that, you know, a, their pre-snap motion rates are among the lower, you know, on the bottom half of the league. 
they you know they trust their playmakers obviously they got some really good ones so yeah this is all about you know as cliche as it sounds you hear players talk about we just got to execute better well that's i mean to me that's for this defense they did some good things against four hours they forced multiple three and outs they had takeaways like you can break up parts of that game like oh the defense is playing all right and then boom 40 yard play 70 yard play like which you just can't have those and that turns it into a really bad day overall but yeah i mean this defense is capable. They have the talent. They've got the scheme to play at a high level. They just they need to do it more consistently. Yeah, the explosive plays last week were a really big problem. San Francisco, 12 explosive plays. The flip side, Seattle producing 11, 11 yeah. of their own. So there's some good things happening, as you just pointed out on that one. I will tell you the consternation among Philadelphia fans as you shift from the running game to thinking about A.J. Brown and the pass catchers and favorite targets for Jalen Hurts is – how simple the offense appears. Mm-hmm. One of their biggest like sources of angst is everybody knows where the ball is going. Yeah. AJ Brown is going to be the yeah, leading receiver the or the leading yeah. target among the NFL leaders and yep. targets. Yeah, absolutely. I do think that again, Seattle can key in on this, and you had an extra day. And as Pete Carroll pointed out, you've actually watched them against similar opponents. In two, two straight yeah, weeks. So exactly. you've got a much better idea of how this matches up. You guys are just setting them up to install all sorts of wrinkles this week, Jen, and then we're going to we're Well, gonna I do about. need to be careful about that because <laughs> we have already proven that I have the power to jinx, at yes. least on a minor level on that one. Um, here's what else the Eagles do really well on offense. They convert on third and fourth down particularly on fourth down. I have been waiting <laughs> weeks you, to you talk about You teased it last this. week. I have been waiting literally are, are weeks we going to talk push, about push this. Are we going push brotherly shove? Well, let's see what Pete Carroll says. It is, in fact, the quarterback sneak that they are converting on 71% of the time. When I first realized that, you know, how dominant a play it was a year ago, you know, I went right into the mode that this could change the game. You know, that this play could change the game. And uh, they've pretty much owned this thing, you know, and they've done a great job with it. And they're 90-something percent conversion when they do it and almost unstoppable, you know. And uh, I, I, it's something to be challenged, though, I mean, because it it's a different phase of the game. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. It's just new. It's just innovative and all of that. And they've done a great job to get that done. And they've crossed over to the, to the world of rugby, you know, and, and it's, a, it's a cool compliment to that, that beautiful game as well. But, uh, you know, we're in it. You know, we've we got to compete with it and try to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, we've heard different teams throughout the year, opponents talk about, like, and Bobby said this yesterday, is like, it's really hard to stop, and it's almost like less focus on stopping it and more focus on let's not let them get to third and one, fourth and yes. one. Like, you need to keep it, you know, three, four yards to go so that they don't have the situation, because it is, the way they do it, and it's funny, we've seen all these teams try to emulate and just hasn't worked as well because they just, they don't do it as well, and they also don't have a quarterback who squats 600 pounds. Now, see, this is what I keep coming back to, but I'm starting to change my stance on this. Yeah. Like, Jalen Hurts is a huge part of this. And then I talked to the defensive line, who would presumably you defend think they, this. They would know better right? than they, us, yes. they would know better. They said it's actually the offensive line. It is the continuity of the offensive yeah. line, and it is the willingness of the offensive linemen to go down and get it on that play because sure. of the leverage that you have to create. And Pete's comments were really interesting, saying, look, one of the reasons it's hard for other teams to emulate this is because you can't practice exactly. full speed, like you're right? Not gonna, the, 
you're not going to have your linemen diving into each other in a practice on a Wednesday. You're yeah. just not going to do that. Yeah, uh, I do believe that it was uh, Jason Kelsey that pointed out a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's fine. If you want to ban the brotherly shove, which, by the way, the NFL said right now, they're not going to penalize a team that's doing something yeah, really like, well. It's not a illegal, weird play. Yeah. Like, they're just doing really well. At they're it. just doing really well. He goes, that's fine. Ban it. We were still converting on fourth down prior to that. Yeah. That goes back to you've got Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. Guess what? They are going to find a way to convert on short down situations. So yeah. short yardage I mean, situations. So just the, the guys shoving them. You watch those. Sometimes it helps, but more often than not, it's the guys up front and yeah. it hurts. And like, I don't think they'd be a massively worse sneaking team if you took away. Cause that's really all you could ban. Like you can't ban a quarterback sneak. So what we're talking about is, okay, can the right. guys get behind them and push them? Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think you're going to hear a lot more conversation about centers in this game than you normally would. Kelsey is elite, and he really does make a lot of stuff happen. So Leonard Williams, we were talking to him about a bunch of stuff, and he started talking because he's obviously played against him much. He was talking about Leonard Williams the way you hear people talk about an elite receiver running back of like he's a guy we got to account for. You know all the different things he like. He was talking about him like some elite playmaker, which in a way he is. But it's just it's wild to hear that about a center, and it's. I mean, a sign of respect of his game to hear a defensive lineman speak about him that highly. Well, and I believe the comments were, it's uh, it's like a, gosh, which, oh, Derrick Henry. It's like Derrick Henry. You can't let him get to the second level. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> I'm not, I am not discounting. Yes. I am not discounting what Leonard Williams No, said. it's just weird to hear, but it's I mean, just... it, it, it makes it was sense. Awesome. He's awfully good. It was awesome. Uh, this game means a lot in the standings for both teams. Seattle is fighting for a playoff spot. The Eagles, meanwhile, they're trying to stay in the hunt for the top seed in the NFC. Playoffs still a few weeks away for us in the NFL. But as our fantasy insider Scott Engel points out and knows fantasy owners, well, that starts this week for you. Thanks, Jen and John. The fantasy football playoffs start in week 15. And remember... Go with the successful approach that got you this far. Don't overthink your lineup moves and sit your best players for less reliable fantasy producers with better matchups. Stick with the guys that got you here in tight lineup decisions very often. From the Seahawks, you want to be using those wide receivers this week, especially Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigba. The Eagles allow the most fantasy points per game to wide receivers. And running back from other teams, David Montgomery should remain in your lineup. Denver has allowed the most rushing yards to running backs. And in the same game, also go with Javante Williams as a running back two option or a flex Denver has the second best run blocking grade on pro football focus for week 15. At wide receiver, you should lock in Rasheed Rice of the Kansas City Chiefs as a wide receiver three. He has 23 catches on 29 targets in his last three games while averaging 81 receiving yards during that span. Rice also has three touchdown catches in his last five games. He has the sixth best wide receiver cornerback matchup grade of any wide receiver against opposing cornerback groups for this week on Pro Football Focus. New England ranks 21st in fantasy points per game allowed to wide receivers. Also, Jaden Reed, another rookie on the rise against Tampa Bay, 28th in fantasy points per game allowed to wide receivers. He had 10 targets last week, and he has four scrimmage touchdowns in his last five games. 
If Matthew Stafford is available as a free agent, hopefully you got him this week because you have to plug him in right away. He's passed for three touchdowns in each of his past three games and finished with over 290 passing yards in rainy and windy conditions last week. Washington allows the second most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks, and the Rams have the best pass blocking advantage grade on pro football focus for Week 15. At tight end, go with Isaiah Likely as the Jaguars rank 28th in fantasy points per game allowed to tight ends. Check out other lineup recommendations, my Seahawks Fantasy Insider column on Seahawks.com under the News tab and Fantasy Insider and find out why you should not hesitate to use Kenneth Walker this week. And also check out my sleepers and free agent recommendations at TheGameDay.com and also my weekly lineup rankings on Rotoballer.com. Back to you, John and Jen. Thank you, Scott. All right, the other side of this conversation, John, is the Seahawks offense against an Eagles defense that, quite honestly, until I started looking at the numbers. Now, I watched that game a couple of weeks ago against the 49ers um, when they got blown out, and I had a couple of thoughts. Number one, you are playing the 49ers, right? Yeah. So they've done, they they've made a lot of teams some look yards. bad. Yeah. The second thing I thought was, you know what? They're going to have a stinker every once in a while. It's okay. You know, like that just happened to be the week that it caught up to them. And then you start looking at some of these numbers. John, they're allowing opponents to convert on third down at a higher percentage than any other team in the league. Yeah. It's, I mean, they've had their struggles. It's the last few weeks, it's 109 points and 1,355 yards in their last three games. They did win one of those, beating the Bills in a shootout. But yeah, there. You know, I was talking to one of the reporters over there, and he he pointed to third down first off as as you just said. Like they're just they're not getting the stops they need, and that's been an area of struggle for the Seahawks offense minus the Dallas game. That's they've struggled on third down offense. So this is a case of Seahawks will hope to to find some improvements there. The other thing that the Eagles do that could play to Seattle's benefit is they do allow touchdowns in the red zone, and that has been another one of those things we've pointed out. Seattle settling for field goals, or maybe you know not being able to convert at the rate you would like there, uh, there could be some opportunity on Monday. I mean, that's that's what they're hoping for. That, again, this is a defense that there's talent there that, you know, we'll talk about, especially up front, but this is not a team that so far has been putting up dominant performances in this Seahawks offense that, again, last week wasn't great. You're playing a great defense on the road with your backup quarterback, but there's still some good things in that game. And you go back two weeks ago to how good they looked against Dallas. Like, I think this offense is starting to find some things. Well, and as you point out, there is a lot of talent there. I've got some numbers on that pass rush and that defensive line. But first, just to understand who those playmakers are. Yeah, well, they're, they're loaded up front. You know, they're loaded. Um, Redick is a fantastic edge rusher as, as a sweat. And then they've got the monsters up, up inside that are so, so uh, you know, physical and tough and quick getting off the rock and all that. They, they just cause all of the problems that, that a front can cause. And, and uh, they have the, all the variations, the different looks that they do to utilize all of their guys. And it's, it's a real challenge. When you take a look at that group, it is Hassan Reddick with 11 sacks. That is in the top 10 in the league. But, again, consternation from Philly fans, which kind of just makes me laugh, right? Your team has lost three games. Yeah, you're 10 and 3. The, you're the amount, tied for first The place. amount of angst coming from the Eagles fans kind of makes me laugh. But here's the thing. That front seven 
can get a lot of pressure. In fact, they've got the fourth most pressures in the league, but it's not converting to sacks. I mean, they, they're they yeah. 21st in sack rates. So I, I'm not, I, not having watched enough film to know, I would imagine that it is frustrating for those guys, but also a chance to keep Gino or Drew clean in the pocket. Yeah, an interesting number. Uh, fans may remember Shiel Kapadia used to be mm-hmm. on the Seahawks beat, very talented journalist who is from Philly. He pointed out third down this season, they're sacking opposing quarterbacks 5.1% of the time, worst rate in the NFL. And for a team that has invested what they have in their defensive yeah. line, that's a concern for them. And again, that's hopefully the Seahawks can take advantage of that on third down. A very different set of pass rushers than Seattle has faced in the last couple of weeks. Again, you think Bosa and that group, two out of the last three. I was talking with Abe Lucas this week, and I said, okay, so... Is it easier or harder? He goes, look, it's just different. Yeah. Redick is a little smaller. He's a slippery guy. He's a speed guy. You know, some of that is just being able to move your your feet. Now, Abe, also in a very humble way, said, I think I can probably handle both. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> you can. Friend. You can. But what I was actually thinking was a guy was was the guards. I was actually thinking about Anthony Bradford, right? Because you've had some really tough tests the last few weeks. Does this get easier? And Abe's comment was, um, experience and just playing time is always the best teacher. So, of course, he's getting better at recognizing and just understanding. Yeah, for but sure. Again, I just got this is, I'm not disrespecting Reddick. I'm just saying, style wise, mm-hmm. it is different. It, it is different. And Bose is a beast, man. Yeah. Like that, I, it's, I'm curious to see how that matches up. Now, One of the things Seattle has to do, though, to keep that defense honest is get the run game going. Not nearly enough yards, not nearly enough running plays for Pete Carroll's liking either. There's a consistency to it that I wish it was more, more, more so. You know, we're kind of finding our way into the 80, 90 yard kind of areas. We, we need to get more yards out of it, and we're at the. We've hit a threshold for some reason of 20 to 23 plays, and we need to run the ball a few more times and get and take advantage of it. It's just part of mixing the whole thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we can continue to go. We're going to need it down the stretch here. Yeah, I mean, a lot goes into how much you're running and how well you're running. It can be, as Pete said, just you don't come around third down, you don't get enough plays. Maybe you're playing from behind. But for a variety of reasons, CX have rushed for over 100 yards once in their last six games, and that was the one they won in their last six games against Washington. Otherwise, you know, they've had their moments. We saw, you know, Zach Charbonnet busted out for two big runs last week. Like, they've shown they can do it. They've got the guys to do it. It's just getting, you know, whether it's having the – game close at the end or having the lead at the end to close out or it's converting on third down so you just get more chances. Pete Carroll wants us to be a team that runs the ball better and they're hoping to get that going. Well, and I'm curious to see what that pass-run mix looks like because the Eagles, when it comes to stopping the run, well, they are sixth in the league allowing just about 94 yards a game. That passing defense, however, it is among, can I say the most porous in the league, allowing just about 260 yards a game. Yeah. Well, and that's where, look, you want to run the ball better, but you don't want to be stubborn if it's if the opportunities are there. Like part of we've talked about this a bunch before, but part of Pete Carroll's idea of balance is not we need to run this many times. True. It's hey, this defense is stopping the run and we're passing the ball successfully, so let's lean into that part of our balanced offense this week. So yeah. we'll see how the game goes. But. Yes, it and Again, you have to run the ball to keep the defense honest. You just have to. It it cannot be a game where the only thing you do is throw the ball. Besides that, having um, looked at the weather report, because I am a sideline reporter, and this is of great concern to me on game day, there is a chance of rain on Monday. 
Well, it, it is, is also going to be the I just first time. I know, but we've gotten so lucky. It will also be the first time I pull out the full parka, the fleece-lined pants, and the fleece or uh, fur-lined boots. Sounds cozy. In case anybody wants to know I'm sure that's, who the marshmallow is on the sideline, that would be wearing on Monday night. Well, people would not be turning into the podcast if it was not for our presenting sponsor. We pause for a word. Statistically, the world is losing color. Just consider all-white kitchens, beige baby nurseries, a sea of gray cars. But in the hundreds of destinations Delta flies to, you can rediscover color in the bright blue waters of Hawaii, the emerald green hills of Scotland, the berry pink cherry blossoms of Tokyo, and so much more. Sometimes opening your world is all it takes to open your mind, which is why when you fly Delta, your potential takes off when you do. Delta, official airline of the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to need you all to go back and rewind to both breaks in this podcast and just appreciate <laughs> Jen's segues. They are fantastic. I, I mean, really she is on her that. game today. <laughs> Thank you, John. I was, I was working really hard at that one today. You know, always compete. Speaking of when it comes to Pete Carroll, you know that his message doesn't change. He's got his basic tenets in place and also... Everybody knows what's at stake this week. We've got four games at the end of the schedule here that makes up this really the old-time fourth quarter of the season, and this is our shot. This is our shot to do something. And uh, we had our opportunity this past weekend. We didn't get it done to get it started, but we got to start a roll here. And, uh, you know, coming up on Monday night against a great team, you know, here we go. And, and so we're going we're gonna to face it, and we got to do something about it to make something out of this year. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic right now because it's, you know, you have to prepare for the opponent in front of you. You can't be looking ahead, but... There's also just the reality of the situation they're in that they recognize, like, hey, six and seven, there's this big cluster of teams at six and seven, seven and six, really fighting for it's essentially two wild card spots because either the Eagles or Cowboys are going to be one of the wild cards, and then it's this big cluster of teams. So it's like, yes, you need to focus on this week and take care of this week, but it's really going to be this grind of week after week, almost must win games if you're going to be a playoff team. Yeah. And look, it's within reach. Yeah. It's crazy. And is, um, gosh, as much as we've talked about the negative things and things that we wish were different the last couple of weeks, it is within yeah. reach for I mean, Seattle. You left it, you, you made it harder than you wanted to, for yep. sure. But well, look, who doesn't like a little drama in their life? I mean, I, I've heard from fans who don't, but that's okay. <laughs> well, they're <laughs> look, not sitting here because I am all in for the drama, John. Right, Remember the it. whole, like, I'm going to release some of the control? That's what I'm working on here. That's yeah. what we're doing. All right. But. What I'm doing right now is asking you for the two things the Seahawks need to do to get a win. I think we need to see, we just talked about third down, and I want to see them you know, build off, not so much last week, but what they did against Dallas, because with that's going to come, those more plays, those more rushing opportunities, all that, all that stuff. And then other side of the ball, get those takeaways. I want to see at least two turnovers in this game, because this is an offense that's shown they're giving the ball away in situations. Oh, I do like the takeaways. You did kind of take that one away from me. Man. I'm going to give you this stat, though. Yes. How about this one? Surprising stat of the day. The Eagles are 0-2 this season when Jalen Hurts throws the ball more than 40 times. All right. Do you know that? No. Producer NASA provided that stat for me. Sounds like you got to stop the run and make him throw it a bunch. I think that that sounds like a great plan. We also have talked about the yards per carry they're getting on the ground. So let's play disciplined defense and hold them to under 100 yards rushing. Mm -hmm. Let's start with that. And 
I like the idea of getting out to an early lead. I know that that's not Pete Carroll's philosophy and tenet, but Seattle's done a good job of scoring points in the first quarter. And Philadelphia has trailed by double digits in five of their last six games. If you make it hard on them, again, home field advantage on Monday night. I kind of like the way that that all plays in. Besides that, when you have the lead and you're playing from um, that position, you've got so much more in the playbook to go to on offense and and keep them off balance. So that's what I've got for you. I love it. Are you impressed? Are you jacked up, fired up now? Jacked up, fired up. We need the fans jacked up, fired up. Jacked up, fired up. Hydrate well, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Everybody on Monday, hydrate. We need you. We'll see you next time.